This morning, we'll, I guess you might call it a Thanksgiving message because that becomes the theme of it towards the end. Uh, it's, uh, we're going to be dealing with Ephesians chapter 5 this morning and uh, going verses 15 through 20. And uh, as we begin in sharing with the Word, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come this morning to say thank You that You have given us Your Word. And You tell us, Lord, that it is indeed Your Word. It is Your thoughts, Your heart, Your mind that we study when we read Your Word. And so we ask, Lord, that through Your Holy Spirit You would open our hearts and our minds this morning to receive from You that which each of us need. And we might not all need the same thing, but Your Word is of such a nature that it can minister to all of us in different ways at the same time. And so we come to You expecting, Lord, that through Your Holy Spirit You will minister to each of us this morning, strengthening our walk and drawing us close together, close to You. In Jesus' name, Amen. The book of Ephesians is a book that is written basically about the church in a sense. It's... Two sections, I guess you might say, chapters 1, 2, and 3 are a a section that uh, talks about the good news, the gospel, the grace that God has given us, and then chapters 4, 5, and 6 really talk about application. And so uh, we're looking in the application section of the the book of Ephesians this morning, uh, and that we are called, and and, and understand... uh, I think of, of chapter 4, real quick, verse 1, says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And that call is, is emphasized, if you will, in Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, Paul writes, uh, An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, And the Lord Jesus Christ, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which He blessed us in the Beloved. What a powerful picture. He has called us. He has chosen us. He has drawn us into uh, our relationship with Him. And He's opened our eyes to that, opened our mind to it so that we could see it. And and so as we come this morning, uh, we come with a confidence that as we're entering into God's Word, His his God-breathed Word, according to Peter, that uh, His Holy Spirit will will strengthen us and, and work in our hearts and our minds as we share in it this morning. This walk uh, that he is talking about here uh, includes, as we go further into chapter 4, uh, it includes, uh, starting well in the 17th verse, uh, it, it talks about, in uh, verse 23 in chapter 4, about putting off. Put off the things of the world, basically. And it gives you a list of things. And then it says in in, in uh that was in verse 22, put off. Verse 24 says, put on. And so the whole picture here is this idea of transformation. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 speak of the reality. We're not to be conformed to the things of the world, but to be transformed. And this idea of transformation is what Paul is alluding to here. Uh, this idea of being changed, not just uh, in a sense of the world, like I've changed my socks and I've got new socks on, but an inward change, an actual change of our heart. Create in me, O Lord, a new heart. Not, you know, I don't want the old heart the way it was. I want a new heart. And that's what God creates in us. That's this transformation. And so we're to put off the things of the world and to put on the things of, of the Word, the things of Christ, the things of our Lord. And, and that's the emphasis that, that is coming out of this part of, of, of Ephesians. And so our response to that, to put off and to put on, is to come where we would in verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and give Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
And again, I think of Romans chapter 12. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. This is the idea. We come and to walk in love as Christ loved us. Uh, in that same uh, section, verse 8, uh, it says, At one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So my emphasis at this point is the idea of how are we walking. And it's not this idea of just for show, uh, coming to church, and, and, and you know some people look at that as their, their duty and their obligation. But this idea of walking with the Lord is something that we do continuously. We've sang a couple of songs already that talk about the reality that this is something I do every day throughout the day. Um, I've shared before uh, a man that uh, I met years and years ago. I just uh, met him the one time and his, his clock beeped at a, just slightly off the hour and uh, he turned around and, and he, he walked away for a few minutes and he came back and, and, you know, me, I, I was curious, you know, and, and uh, he says, oh, I, I just, it just reminds me of if I've thought about the Lord in the last hour. And it beeped every five minutes, but every hour, about five minutes off the hour. So it didn't coincide with anything else normally going on. And the idea was is that he, he just, he, he wanted, he, he felt that if he didn't do that, he was so distracted by the things of the world that he would not do it. Now, I'm not suggesting that, that we do that, and, I, and especially I think of it in church, and I don't know how many times I've been in church, and especially when they first came out where the watches would go beep, 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 and more than uh, several of them sometimes. Uh, now it's our cell phones. But uh, the reality is, is that this is something we're supposed to be doing quite candidly as much as we are awake that we should be looking for opportunities, asking God to give us glimpses of things that would cause us to draw our attention to Him for just a moment, just to say, wow, isn't that awesome? So, this idea of walking with the Lord, walking in the light. If in the, Again, uh, somebody said about prayer without ceasing. How is that possible? By walking in the light. In other words, you've, you've studied the Word, you, the Word is a part of you, and you're walking and something comes up and all of a sudden you realize to pray for somebody. You see something, someone, maybe you're driving and pass their home and you just think of them for a minute and you pray. And it's not you close your eyes, especially if you're driving, um, you know, and, and get down on your knees type thing, but just a, I grew up calling them in my Christian walk bullet prayers. You know, just, uh, Lord, be with so-and-so today, tonight, whatever. So... Uh, that's part of who we are in Christ. It's part of being the body of Christ. And uh, so uh, the goal, verse 10, is to, is to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. What are the things that are pleasing to God? That we, How we treat one another, the kinds of words that we say to one another. Uh, I think of, of, of the last verses of chapter 4. Uh, verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Transformation, an attitude change. This is not the way the world responds to, to life. This is something that happens through the Holy Spirit in us, working in us and changing us, transforming us. This morning's passage that I want to look at begins with verse 15 of chapter 5. Paul writes, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything. To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Walk carefully. The idea here, as if you study this word in a word study, would be to be walking with alertness and discernment. Okay, and discernment again from a Christian perspective comes through the Holy Spirit. So that we can discern what is, is right and what is wrong as we're walking through the world day for the day. That we would be in the thought of wanting to do the things that would what? Please God. I, I think of a, 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 a person, I don't think he would mind that I mentioned his, his, his name, uh, Dean Renfer. Uh, he worked up in, in the county, uh, well actually for the city of Arcata for a while. And uh, he walked past one guy that was homeless and he finally stopped and talked to him. He said, I, I you know, felt like God was wanting me to stop and talk to him. And he was hungry. Well, that's no surprise. Now, some people will say, well, maybe he's a panhandler. Maybe he's got his Cadillac around the corner. Who knows? All these kinds of things. But what, what Dean thought was, what would, what would the Lord do? So Dean, knowing that he could afford to go out and buy himself a hamburger, handed him his lunch. Dean is a very frugal man. Uh, those of you who know him understand that. And, and uh, he sack lunched it every day. So he gave him his lunch. And he started making two lunches. And every time that man was there, he had an extra lunch to give. And uh, it just it became the way he was, was doing it. And he was blessing the man. He got to talk with him, share the Lord with him a, a few times. Who knows what transition that will make. I've, you know, I've had the opportunity over the years to actually have people get a hold of me, sometimes literally years after I had ministered to them uh, on the street or in, in, here at church on, during the, the week or some time and, and call me and tell me the transition that was in their hearts with the Lord and, and the things that were going on and their thankfulness that somebody took a time to, to say hi and to put an arm around them. So walking carefully. It's not just watching your step like this so that we don't step into something evil or wicked, but that's part of it. But the idea is to also walk with discernment so that you can see what's going on around you and asking God to open your eyes. Uh, the, the, there was a song that came out uh, a long time ago now was My Father's Eyes. Well, it's not just my father's eyes. It's my father's ears and my father's words uh, that we want to have. So walk carefully with discernment is what he's been asked. And then it says wisely. Uh, and this idea of wisely is, 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 you know, using the best means to put things together and, and put your, your, your faith into action in the way it's used here. So I'm to walk with discernment, looking around the world, looking for the opportunities to wisely put into action the things that God has taught me, trained me, and put into my heart. And the kinds of things are, when you look at it, to be charitable, look at it, 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 the, the, the the Sermon on the Mount and, and look at various parts of it and to minister, to be prepared to, to, at the drop of a hat, be able to say a word and be trusting that the Holy Spirit will give you the discernment to say the words that need to be said. You have no idea how important that might be to somebody who is in need at that moment. A lot of times we, you know, we're, we don't hesitate when we know that there's a special need, but sometimes God wants us to be ready spontaneously to give a word. And then to also be prepared at that point to share why you have that faith. Peter's pretty specific about that. So walk carefully. Walk wisely. Making the best use of the time spent. I was looking at the, at the time here. You know, Making the best use of the time. So carefully, wisely, making the best use of time. And I was trying to, to, to look at this from a, a standpoint of why this is so important because there's other things to talk about making use of our time in Scripture as well. And uh, one of the things that, that is interesting, in fact, I, I, I went online and looked at a number of things. Some, the most valuable resource that man has, and people had a lot of different answers, but I frequently saw the word time come up. Not necessarily the number one thing, but as a Christian, and we look at it, the one thing we have is the time that God has given us. And it's supposed to be committed to Him, right? 
I mean, we say that in a, in a broad sort of way. I am, I am a committed Christian. I am born again. I am saved. I am going to heaven. Can't wait for that time when we're all you know, caught up in the air and we, we're, we're with the Lord for eternity. But in the meantime, He's given us the life that we have right now. What are we doing with it? And this doesn't mean, are you getting into the pulpit? Are you getting active in church ministries? Are you leading Bible studies? Although that's part of it. Can be part of that if that's what God has called you to do. But just understanding that the time we have is God's. And so as we're walking with discernment, realizing we, we should be prepared to use the time for Him. It's really easy to get fixated on the things that I need to get done, that I want to get done for the day, and miss an opportunity to minister. Simply because I've got my mind so focused on accomplishing my ideas of how things need to be done for the day. What if, if God brings somebody across my path and I miss something else by spending time with them? So, how do we spend our time? By the way, time spent is gone forever. When I started this sermon, that time is gone. There's no repeat. I don't care how many science fiction theories you want to come up with and, and time paradoxes and all sorts of weird things and uh, wormholes, you know, dark holes, black holes, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. I believe that the time we have as we spend it, it's been spent and it's gone. And just as we are held accountable for every word we say, we're held accountable for how we use the time God has given us. He says that we're to be making the best use of the time because the days are evil. I think the simple picture there is that we live in a fallen world. And Satan would use the fallen world and what it considers enjoyable and good and fun and stuff like that to distract us. And, I, and, and I'm being very careful here. I, I've, got, I've got people that, that have very, very strict rules about what they will not do, and they frown on people who don't abide by their rules. You know, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't go to movie houses, I don't go to dances, I don't dance, I don't, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't drink, and 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 that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is simply: Are you using the time that God has given you in a way that you can turn around and walk away and say, "I, I did not offend my father." that I've glorified Him in my actions. We have a me-first attitude, generally. It's hard to get away from. It's our, we're still in the flesh and we like to put our flesh ahead of a lot of other things. And uh, When we start to do this, we start to realize that we're to be using our time, and we'll see that in a, in a little bit, as a tool to minister to other people. How valuable is time then? Well, if you can't make more of it, it it's, it's, yeah, it's invaluable. You, there's, there's no way to put a value to it. I mean, you might turn around and say, well, I make X number of dollars an hour. Therefore, this is how valuable time is. But your free time then becomes extremely valuable. I have a, a chart that I downloaded just, uh, just giving you know, approximations. In other words, overall averages of how time is spent. If, you're, if you live to be 78 years old, okay, which is approximately what the average lifespan is in the Western world now, 78, uh, how will you spend you know, your time? Well, if overall, and of course we don't necessarily experience this here, but some of you, maybe if you work in Eureka or Arcata or some other place out of town, might have part of this as your thing, You'll spend 1.3 years commuting. Not, we're, we're overall, 1.3 years commuting. 1.5 years in childcare. 2.5 years shopping. 2.5 years grooming. 3.5 years uh, uh, getting education. Four years eating and drinking. 
Six years doing chores. And I noticed that it's interesting. We're always trying to find things that cause our chores to be easier to do. From push mowers to power mowers. From, you know, the, the Roomba. You know, so I don't have to, to spend my time. Uh, and, you know, different things. And those are great items, you know, but the idea is six years doing chores. Nine years at the TV or video games or social networking. 10.5 years working a job. 28.3 years doing what? Sleeping. About one third of life. By the way, that leaves you an extra nine years. <laughs> no, I already did the eating. You know, I, I said four years eating and drinking. Okay, so, well, that may be. I mean, because it, I, my question here is how will you spend it? <laughs> so, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the idea is that we, we have time. We, we, we account for it in different ways. This is just one person's idea of, of time. How will you spend that uh, extra time? Uh, we're to make the best of the time that God has given us. He says, be careful, the days are evil. evil. That's why he asks us to walk carefully and wisely with discernment. So, what we use it for. You realize that there are, are courses in time management. Uh, if you've been to colleges especially or, or you work for companies they, they'll, uh, for a long period of time, it's not unusual, especially if you've gone into a supervisor role, that they will send you uh, sometimes long distances to go to time management seminars. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a, and and you, you normally get to walk away with a time management book and to write your stuff down in. And, and of course, I don't know if, if that's transferred now to, to tablets or, or what, but the idea is, is that you know, being accountable, making a list, and, and, and trying to account for your time, making a good use of your time, this type of thing. Um, there's also even degrees in time management. Can you imagine five-year degree? That's part of that education part. Um, you know, time management. Uh, I, I had one person that, and I don't know where the the, the uh, quote came from. It was anonymous, but it says, "You can use your time to make money, but you can't use money to buy more time." And I thought, well, that's what the chirogenic people are trying to do, but but you know who knows? Uh, and there's some that have spent small fortunes to be frozen after they've, they've, just as soon as they've passed away so that they can be revived when there's cures for whatever ailed them or old age, I guess. But anyway, verse 17, Therefore, do not be foolish. And what's implied with that is what's already been said. Don't be foolish with your time. Understand what the will of the Lord is. What is my role in the work of God's kingdom now, today? And again, it goes back to being transformed as the starting point. You know, God wants to transform us. Am I willing to be that? Am I willing to let God come in and transform the way I look at and think about the things of the world and, and, and ask to have my Father's eyes? And I'm going to suggest to you that if you ask that sincerely, be prepared that He's going to put you on the spot with certain things. And he may, you may have to, to wrestle with some decisions as to how you're going to do certain things and use your time. The focus that I was you know, you know, talking about uh, how God wants us to, to, to use our time one of the things was Acts chapter 1, verse 8, about going first to Jerusalem and then out into the world. The Great Commission, which was the last part of Matthew that we'd already looked at. Um, you know, more specific is the letting the Holy Spirit work through us, reading, studying, and doing things that expose us to God's Word in such a way that it transforms us. But really, I looked at that. That's for another message. In today's message, I really wanted to focus on this idea of, of verse 18 and, and 19 and 20. Paul says, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy with the Spirit. And the Spirit, you notice, if most of your Bibles, it's capital S, meaning the Holy Spirit. 
Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. And the idea of drunk is intoxicated, but the word includes the idea of controlled. Don't be controlled by wine. And someone will say, well, I don't even drink, so I don't have to listen to the rest of this. That's not what Paul meant by this. He used wine as a general picture. Don't be controlled by the things of the world the way the world looks like at, at things. You know, don't allow the things of the world to get a hold of you to where they control you and own you. Uh, the Scripture talks about indebtedness, owning and controlling us. There's other things that can own us and control us. So, you know, we're not to allow ourselves to slide into the world's way of doing things and, and, and becoming to the point where we have to, to yield to the world's uh, way of doing, uh, working and doing things and as a result being drawn away from the time that God would want us to spend uh, with our families, with each other, and with Him and His Word. He says, don't be intoxicated by the things of the world. It leads to debauchery. I, I look at words like that, and I, I've, I, don't, I don't know that I have ever used the word debauchery outside of reading it in Scripture. Okay? It means somebody without control or limits. That's the simplest definition. Don't become someone who has no self-control without limits. Yeah, and, and, and because working the way the world works leads us to being out of control. And, 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 and as a result, harder to come back and study and, and the Word and, and to work in things with the Holy Spirit. So, he says, instead of being like the things of the world, be filled with the Spirit. And this idea of being filled here is continuously. It doesn't mean, you know, a one-time event. When you become a believer, you... Receive the Holy Spirit. Somebody says, well, at what point are you filled with the Holy Spirit? I'm not sure that, that we could ever say with a complete context that He completely has every facet of me. That would be fully, completely filled with the Holy Spirit. But the idea in general of being filled with the Holy Spirit here is that the Holy Spirit is directing your path and as a general guideline. You're using the Scripture. You're using uh, wisdom, discernment. Uh, seeking the Lord for advice uh, on day-to-day stuff. We're, we're, we're willing to you know, say, well, what's God's will about me going to school or buying a house or buying a new car or something like that? God's saying those things are, 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 are fine. Yeah, it's a good thing to seek His face and His will on those types of things. But if you're not seeking it on day-to-day stuff, it's going to be hard to see it when He's giving you direction on those things. The idea is He wants us is from day-to-day seeking His guidance and His will. And again, that idea of walking with his discernment, with his wisdom, looking at the world through his eyes, hearing through his ears. When we begin to allow the Holy Spirit to have control, the idea of filling us is when we begin to have success at putting off the things of the world, habits that have been possibly plaguing us uh, our whole uh, adult lives. It also is a time of, put, uh, of coming to the point where we can put on. And it's interesting. He never tells us to put off without telling us to put something in its place. Put off, put on. When you take this away, put this in its place. And, and so, uh, being filled with the Spirit as we start to put off, as we look for that transformation uh, and, and and all we we look to it and and I think of of the of the picture of, of of God's word working in us. Um, where do we get our counsel? That's that's really what what it kind of comes down to. Are you getting your counsel from the word of God or from godly people, or do you seek the world for your counsel about the things that we should be going to God to? And and. Uh, I think of Psalm 1, it's just a real quick read. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. The wicked means simply the world here. Blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the world, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, meaning God's Word. And on this law he meditates day and night. It guides him day and night. 
His grace, His glory, His mercy, His love, all of that. Uh, it's, it's, it's there. And then he says, He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that He does prospers. By the way, this is not prosperity gospel. What it means is all that He does according to God's plan prospers. But by that time, He's planted now in that new, new ground, new soil, that, that God is nurturing. He's, bringing, he's by a stream that God has provided for him. Uh, the, I think in the idea of living water and, and, and we're growing in him and we start to produce fruit for the Lord. It's not a one-time event. It's an ongoing process. By the way, there's a lot more that goes to it that I, that, that, than I really understand about gardening because I'm more of the person with the black thumb. Uh, but, but it has to do you know, understanding that, that, that that a, a healthy uh, uh, fruit-bearing tree is also gets pruned. I have pruned a tree or once or twice, but I never thought about what it felt like. But if I'm thinking of it as if God is pruning me and I've actually gone through seasons where I feel that that's what He's doing and there are times when it's painful. There are times when it's difficult. But what starts to happen is a change is how we perceive who we are in Christ and who we are in the world, we start to realize I'm not the most important thing out there. In fact, we begin to realize, as, as Paul puts it in Romans again, chapter 12, about being humble and living a life that, that puts other people ahead of yourself. In fact, the ideal would be that I'm putting God first, the other person second, and I'm taking the third position. I'm willing to live my life in such a way that God is worshipped. He's number one in all things. And then as, it, as, as the need is made available to share what I have in such a way that as God has provided, James makes it real clear. If I have the means in my pocket to minister to someone and I don't, I've sinned. So... You know, it's, it's a changing of the way we do things, the way we look at things. It's not, we're moving from self-centered to God-centered, thinking of other people the way He might think of them. There was a pastor in the, that was real popular in the uh, 70s and 80s in the Bay Area, uh, and up into the early 90s, uh, his name was Ray Steadman. And some of you have heard him, prolific writer. He wrote a lot of books. Um, and his church was Peninsula Bible Church in Palo Alto, California. And uh, he had a relationship with the Bible college that I went to. And so as a result, he was frequently a speaker and sometimes taught a few courses there had the opportunity to, to learn some things from him. Uh, but, you know, the idea was is that he says, is what you're moving into when you look at all of this stuff, you're putting off this, putting on this, coming together, and then you added this idea of verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing a melody to the Lord from your heart, meaning from deep within. We talk about, you know, bubbling up and coming out type of thing when we sing some of our kids' songs. Uh, and he says what we're talking about is body life. That was the term he gave it. The body, of the, body the church. The life of the church. Body life. He had, in fact, he wrote uh, a couple of books with that title and, and, and uh, expounded on it quite extensively. If you're looking for opportunities to bless people sing psalms, the hymns, and spiritual songs, meaning to speak the things of encouragement from God's Word. And you've got to understand that the psalms, the hymns, and the spiritual songs that, that, that Paul would be talking about back then, especially most of them were made up of things out of God's Word. Uh, and uh, they, they were to, to encourage one another together. This morning we sang together. We worshipped together. And, and Paul says that that's something that needs to be coming from the heart. It's not just something that you ascend to mentally. 
but it comes from within your soul. It comes deep from within. Making melody to the Lord with your heart. That's, you're capable of doing that when, when you start dwelling on the things of God and on His Word like we just said in, in you know, the man that's blessed. He's not taking his, his counsel from the, the world, but he's taking it from God's Word. One of the neat things that happens is the people who dwell on the things of the Lord, that dwell on His Word, who find themselves singing and or listening to His Word and, 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 and songs. I, I call them songs of faith at this point. Faith songs or spiritual songs. Uh, we've got so many genre of, out there. I tell people it doesn't matter what genre of music you like to listen to. There's, there's Christian music pretty much available in that. And somebody says, you know, I, I said even rap. And somebody says, well, rap isn't music. I, that's, that's a personal opinion. I, I'm just saying you can, you can find all sorts of, of, of music out there. And, and so you, you can have, it doesn't matter what you're, you're accustomed to enjoying, you can find it with God's words in it, which is the idea of you know, dwelling on this. But the people who dwell on these things, who, who let these things become a part of the life, that begin this transformation, allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us, to create in us a, a, a desire to put off the things of the world and to put on the things of God, uh, we find ourselves changing the way we look at things to such a degree that we are able to give thanks in places we never would have been able to give thanks before. And there's an explicit admonition here. Give thanks Always in everything. I looked up these words because I don't like such closed, definitive statements that, that you know, and they mean exactly what they say. I don't even have to try to give you definitions. It says always in everything. Now, let me read to you something that, that uh, a pastor from uh, Arizona, his name is Steve Cole. Some of you have listened to books or seen books written by him, maybe listened to some tapes by him. But he says we should never, and, and because there was a concern, he was presented with a question, how can I give thanks to God for sinful stuff I see? And he put it this way, we should never thank God for the sin that he hates. We should hate it too. Psalm 97.10. Scripture clearly gives us a time to mourn and to grieve over tragedies. We see that in Romans 12:15. But while we recognize that God is not the author of evil, we can thank Him that even evil is a part of the all things that He works together for good to His chosen ones, Romans 8:28. He works all things together for the good of those who what? Believe in Him, rest in Him, rest in His grace. It's all implied there. How many things? Yeah, it's, it's tied to the same word always up here. It's, it's all things. God can use... I mean, think about this. We come to get, we're getting near Christmas and, and we think about how God orchestrated Jesus being born where? Bethlehem. Where did they live? Nazareth. Did they have any reason to go to Bethlehem? No, not until Caesar and his greediness of wanting to know how much, not just how much money he had, but how much money he was going to have, wanted to take a census of all the people of, of, uh, that were under his authority, under his rule. And, and for the Hebrew people, that meant going to the town of their lineage, which for Joseph and Mary both were the town of David, Bethlehem. So God used Caesar 1,500 miles away in Italy to get them to Bethlehem. Was what Caesar doing a good thing? Not really. It was a greedy thing. It was a thing of, of uh, uh, he was so corrupt that he was misusing what he had. He needed more. And he wanted more. Had nothing to do with a good thing that he wanted to do with it. But it got Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. See how God uses all things? It's hard for me to look at some things and see how God has used it. And I may not know until we're face to face how he's used some things. But can I rely on his word at this point? Well, the thing is, is that God has transformed me. The more I rest in him, the more I seek his face, the more I read his word, the more I study, 
And, and the more I become the person that He wants me to be, even though it's a slow process. You've heard my artichoke picture before, probably. But, you know, when you first become a Christian, you know, you, after you've cooked an artichoke and, the, and the, the, the rough, you know, tough leaves on the outside kind of peel off and, the, and it peels down the stalk a little bit sometimes, you know, and you're thinking, that's me when I first become a Christian. There's a lot of painful things God does to me initially. But later on in my walk, I, I, there's still all these leaves that keep coming out, but some of them come out and you hardly even feel it, you know. And then I'm, I'm asking God, you know, when, am, when are we going to get through all of this, Lord? And he says, oh, we haven't even got to the heart of the matter. The goal of eating an artichoke, getting to the heart, but before you can eat it, you must do what? Scrape the thistle. I've gone through all this lifetime of getting rid of all this exterior stuff that God doesn't want and He just wants this pure heart for Him. And now He says, here comes the tough part. I didn't know that that was going to be the last thing. Possibly sometimes because this is the stuff that's rooted deepest in our heart that we just have to finally get down to. So you may be in your 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s before God deals with something in your life that you finally... Get rid of. It's a constant process. He wants you to get to the heart of the matter, and that's that, this. It's a lifetime event. It's a lifetime thing going on, and and the end result though is is as you find this, you start to find yourself giving thanks in all things. An amazing thing that you can look at and, and say, I don't care about this. I don't like what's happening over here. Uh, I don't like the rainy weather. Uh, and, and, you know, whatever, uh, and, and to turn around and, and realize how desperately we need the rain and how the lack of rain has caused tremendous problems in California these last decade, and especially these last days, weeks, and months. And so we realize to be thankful in all things. Now, again, I'm coming back to tragedies. I don't know how to be thankful in all those things other than by submission. God, I trust you. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I've had people come to me and say, why is this happening? And I don't have an answer. Other than I know God will use it because He wastes nothing. He says, I'm going to work all things that happen to you in such a way as to transform you into the person of God I want you to be. That will minister and, and you will be blessed. You'll be like a tree planted by a stream producing fruit. It will happen. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Don Moen, a rather prolific writer out of the 70s and 80s of, of, of uh, a lot of the psalmody type music and, and, and stuff. And... and uh, he wrote the the song "Give Thanks," and I'm just going to read a couple of the, the 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 key thoughts in it. It says, "Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son." In other words, no matter what else, I always have that to tag. Even though this world has fallen, even its fallenness affects me, and even maybe it attacks me or uh, persecutes me, misuses me, abuses me in some way that I don't feel is just or right or fair. I have the Son of God. And no matter what this world does to me, including take my life, I win. So, give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Because of what the Lord has done for us, give thanks. That's how a person in Liberia, when, when they, some of their, their people were coming over here and sharing the, the, the gospel and the, the blind kids that came singing and, uh, and, and stuff uh, from that area and stuff like that, and you heard the, 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 the poverty that they lived in, and yet they came with a great joy. Now, they were confused a little bit. I remember the leader who, who was uh, the pastor uh, was, was commenting that he was, the first time he went into a a store. He was he'd never seen so much food in one place at one time, and uh, kind of blew him away. And when they were picking through the stuff, the, the the workers, and they said, "What what happens to that? Oh, that's getting thrown away." It was stuff that they would could have lived on, even if it was rotten. They just cut the rot out. In fact, most of the time, they just ate that too. 
And he said he just couldn't, it was a hard thing to adjust to see the amount of stuff we have. And he noticed that we were what? Not particularly thankful as a people. If anything, we wanted more. And, that, and, and, I, and so uh, one of the people asked him, he says, he says, you know, that he says it's the same way though. Even where they are, the, if they have a, if, no matter how much they have or don't have, they always want what? Just a little bit more. That's the fallen human nature. I want more than what I've got. Can I be content and thankful in what I have and give thanks to God? The answer is yes. Uh, so that, that comes up to that, that picture of being thankful in all things. Um, and finally, the, the, this passage closes with the idea of submitting to one another. This is the hardest thing there is within the passage, I think, is this idea of submitting. I am as rebellious as anybody I've known in my life. I don't know how many times the the picture of the little boy that is sitting down and standing up on the inside kind of thing applied to me. I was obedient to my stepfather because I knew the consequences were painful. But I did not do it willingly. There was certainly no thanksgiving in it. But here we're told to submit, and it's interesting, to one another. This comes back to this idea of putting the other person ahead of yourself. I will submit to you. You have a need. I, I have a way of ministering to it. I will give. I will submit. I will and, and put you ahead of myself. And, and this word is submitting is a military term, but it's also a term that was frequently used as a common term. When it's used as a military, military term, it was meant you had a commanding officer and you submitted to his authority. But when it was used in a non-military fashion, It was a voluntary attitude of giving, of cooperation, of putting ourselves out for others. Voluntary. It's creating that idea of wanting to share what you have. I don't know how many times I've heard of missionaries share the the blessings of of people in their community when there's been uh, containers of food and rice and different things. And to see the people that it was meant for turn around and share it with their neighbors who weren't Christians. And the only one I've ever heard of coming back was from India with, with, with a statement that was the, he was asked. And, and, and he says, well, I know I'm, I'm saved. I know my family's saved, but I don't know about them. They might need some more time. <laughs> this idea of putting others ahead of yourself is extremely important. It's a big part of our Christian walk. It's one of those things that makes us stand apart. People who ultimately turn around and say, why are you that way? Let me share with you. Peter says to be prepared to share. In order to be this way with a sense of, of, of truth and honesty and wanting to be, not because we're trying to earn anything, but because simply God has transformed us to the point where we see a need and want to meet it. Requires the Holy Spirit to be working in us. So we go back to the very beginning of this. You know, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to have more of you. To take more of you. God, put me in a position where I will yield so that the Holy Spirit may control. All of God's blessings come to us through Jesus Christ. I already read this Scripture, but it says, Blessed be the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, according to the riches of His grace, according to His purpose so that at the fullness of time He would unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. 
God really is in charge. I may not see it. I may not understand it. I may not always grasp it. But I know that He is. Do I struggle with things? Absolutely. Do I, do I have days of, of, of frustration and, 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 and stuff like that? Absolutely. But the longer I've walked with the Lord, the more frequently I've come to that point where I can turn around and say, but I know. I don't know how necessarily, but I know. I am confident that He will work this in such a way that I am blessed and that I might bless others. How did He do this for us? It's what communion is all about. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word came into the world, and He became flesh, and He, and he tabernacled, he, he housed, He tented with us, he, he lived with us, He dwelt with us. And His purpose was to reveal the Father so that it would come to the point where we would understand, if you see Me, you've seen the Father. And He did it in such a way that the ultimate goal was to give Himself through the cross to become what John saw in Him. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why? Because there was nothing man could do or bring that would fix it ultimately. All of the Old Testament stuff the Hebrews keeps telling us was just putting it off over and over and over again until the blood of Christ. He is the final sacrifice. There's no need ever again for a sacrifice because Christ has done it all. When He said it is finished on the cross, it was done. And what that is is again that confidence. How does, how does God turn something as ugly and, and mean and, and cruel as the cross into something as often as, as we bless it to the point we would put it on the wall and, and not worship it, but to honor the idea of what it represents. And so when we come to communion, we celebrate. He came in the flesh. He poured out His blood. But the communion doesn't stop there. It says, share this until I come again. So it's a celebration of His resurrection. And in the meantime, it's a commitment to us. When we share communion, you're not just sharing it because of what He's done, but what He's doing in you that He will continue to transform us. So when you come to communion, it's an appropriate thing to say, Lord, continue the process of cleansing me, changing me, creating me a clean heart, O God. I'd ask the ushers to come and, and pass the communion out. Hold it until we've all been served and we'll share it together.